Texas Hold'em, seven-card stud. If you've ever been to Las Vegas for the Microsoft Inspire conference for Microsoft Partners or Microsoft Ready for Microsoft Employees, you probably know a lot more about these kinds of poker than I do. I've never played poker in my life. It's probably why Gus Gonzalez invites me to join his poker game at MVP Summit every year. But there's one kind of poker that I do know, and that's planning poker. Welcome back to another edition of the Scrum Dynamics podcast. We're on a mission to help every Microsoft Dynamics 365 customer and partner succeed by implementing Dynamics using the Scrum framework. This is Neil Benson. My co-host, Dermot Ryan, is still on holiday. He might be traveling back from Ireland at the moment. He's going to be back on the next episode of the show. So this is going to be a solo show. I'm going to be discussing how I use planning poker game to estimate items in my product backlog. Thanks to Kingsway Soft for supporting the CRM Audio Podcast Network. I'm just about to kick off a project for one of Australia's largest clubs, and we need to migrate over 4 million members' records and 350 million historical activity records. That's about 2.3 terabytes in total. Into Dynamics 365 online customer engagement. How are we going to do it? Well, we're going to be using the Kingsway Soft integration toolkit to connect our legacy SQL Server and Progress databases. Kingsway Soft simplifies the process of migrating data into Dynamics 365 using SSIS or Azure Data Factory. My project team is going to be relying on Kingsway Soft's expertise in maximizing throughput to get all of that data into Dynamics. Kingsway Soft has helped thousands of customers migrate data into Dynamics 365 or to sync data between Dynamics and dozens of other enterprise applications and hundreds of other data services. Visit kingswaysoft.com to find out more. If you're not already familiar with it, Planning Poker is a team game for estimating work, sometimes called Scrum Poker or Pointing. It's often used by Scrum teams during backlog refinement workshops or sprint planning to estimate the complexity of product backlog items. Why do we play Planning Poker in the first place? Well, as I see it, there's three main advantages to using the Planning Poker game for estimation. The first is that the development team gets to learn all about the upcoming work. Planning poker is a great opportunity for everyone to ask questions, test assumptions, and learn the details of work that we're just about to start. I always prefer just-in-time requirements analysis ahead of specifying all the details many months in advance like we used to do in a traditional project. And secondly, we get diverse perspectives in our estimates because the development team members who specialize in analysis, design, config, customization, development, integration, and quality and deployment all get to contribute towards our estimates. I find that this leads to much more accurate estimates and better adopted estimates than a single architect estimating all the work in a waterfall project during the analysis and design phases. And thirdly and lastly, we play planning poker frequently at least once every sprint through the course of the project, that's great because it gives us a chance to use what we're learning as we build the system and we use that experience in our next round of estimation. And that's much more useful than estimating everything at the start of the project when we've got no experience with dynamics in this particular project at all. So who plays planning poker? What I like about planning poker is that the whole scrum team gets to participate in the game. Our product owner is there to answer any of the developer's questions about the requirement. And the product owner might be joined by subject matter experts from the organization, but neither the product owner nor those subject matter experts get to actually play planning poker. Only the people who do the work get to estimate it. That means only the development team gets to play poker. Now Dermot and I debate 
whether or not business analysts are subject matter experts representing the product owner and therefore shouldn't estimate the work, or whether they are analysing the requirements on behalf of the dev team and therefore should estimate the work. I'll leave that up to you and your projects. It can go either way. I guess it depends on the type of business analyst you're working with. If they're familiar with Dynamics 365 and are involved in the customization and configuration in any way, then I think they're part of the dev team. I say to Dermot, if they've got a login for Dynamics, they're part of the dev team. But if they were finding the backlog and never accessed Dynamics 365 and losing them for a sprint or two wouldn't affect the dev team's velocity, then they're really a delegate for the product owner and I don't think they're part of the dev team. You might even have both types of business analysts in your Scrum team, one who estimates and one doesn't. So apart from product owners and business analysts or product owner proxies, everybody else who plays planning poker is part of the development team. They're the people who are probably on the hook for doing the work during the sprint. Do you play planning poker during your sprint? In my projects, planning poker is most often played during the sprint planning, when the Scrum team is developing the sprint backlog for the upcoming sprint. During sprint planning, the team will play planning poker on unestimated items at the top of the backlog. Then the product owner finalises the priority of those items before the dev team forecasts which of the high priority items it can complete during the sprint. The downside of only playing planning poker at sprint planning is that if you have a lot of unestimated high priority items, your game will be rushed as you try to estimate everything within the sprint planning time box. So I like to play planning poker during backlog refinement sessions that my team holds mid-sprint too. I usually run short backlog refinement sessions called story time several times a week during each sprint. We try and determine which stories we're going to discuss before each workshop so that the right subject matter experts and developers can attend. If there is enough of the development team available, we'll play a quick planning poker game on the stories we've just discussed. But don't try and estimate everything in your backlog. I'm a big fan of just-in-time analysis and estimation. Refine and estimate stories you might complete in the next sprint or two. This way your estimates are fresh and use everything you've recently learned about deploying dynamics in this project. Now what do you use to play planning poker? Lots of scrum teams play planning poker with a deck of cards. There are special planning poker cards you can buy that are great to use if you're physically co-located and everybody's in the same room. Or, if you're remote, there are several online planning poker tools. Oh, and some of these are web-based, some of them are mobile app-based. Um, you can check them out. A couple that I've used, planningpoker.com. That's a, a web-based application. It's free for up to five users on its basic features, but its paid plans include support for more than five users and integration with Jira, and you can import from CSV files exported from VSTS. And it's got some other advanced features as well. I like planning poker, and I've used it in several of my projects, usually without trying to pay for it. Another one is Planet Poker, P-L-A-N-I-T-P-O-K-E-R.com. It's got most of the features of planning poker, and it's free for unlimited users. And lastly, scrumpoker.online is a basic free tool with the source code available on GitHub if you want to extend it or maybe integrate it into your favorite requirements management system. I'll put those three links in the show notes so you can check those out after the show. Also, if you're using Visual Studio Team Services as your requirements management system, check out the VSTS marketplaces. There are lots of integrated planning poker tools available in there.
And there's dozens of apps available for smartphones. You can even, in a pinch, I've used the calculator app to estimate, to, to type in my estimates and then reveal them to my team by flipping around my phone. So check those out on your Google Play Store or on your Apple iPhone app exchange. Okay, so how do you play planning poker? Let's get into the details. I spent all this time talking about planning poker without clearly telling you how to play it. Let's go. So a planning poker game goes something like this. Someone reads out the title of an unestimated story. It's often the product owner or a proxy reading the story, but the scrum master can facilitate the process too. Ideally, the team can also read along. Uh, They can see the title, description, and acceptance criteria on a shared screen or on their app. The development team can then ask questions about the story, clarify their assumptions with the product owner. It's okay for them to propose and discuss some design options, but I strongly recommend you don't lock in any particular design until you're about to implement the feature. Importantly, developers shouldn't be calling out how much effort it'll take or that they think it's a big story or a small story. The same goes for product owners. Uh, I find sometimes try and coerce the team into underestimating the stories in the hope that that will somehow improve their velocity. It doesn't. It just stresses people out and leaves stories at the end of the sprint that couldn't be completed because we underestimated them. In planning poker, the important thing is we estimate in private. We don't use hooks, which are like psychological anchors where somebody else has tried to suggest their estimate to you. We estimate in private so that we're estimating independently. Using cards, a mobile app or a web app, each of the developers privately estimates the complexity of the story. Once everyone's estimated, everyone's estimates are revealed. We flip around our phones, we reveal the scores on our mobile app. Now let's say that everyone's estimated a story was five story points. We'll come on in a moment to what a story point is. But imagine Lachlan thinks it's a one-point story, Elena has estimated 13 points. Everybody else has estimated five story points. I'd then invite Lachlan and Elena to describe their assumptions. Why did Lachlan think it was one point? What's so easy about it? Why does Elena think it's 13? What's so complex about this story that has driven up her estimate? Once we work through all those assumptions, then we'd all estimate again. Hopefully in the second round, our estimates would come to a convergence and we'd all have the same estimate. If the divergence across the team was much closer, let's say Lachlan had voted for three story points and Elena had estimated eight story points during the discussion, they might both be willing to settle on five story points without a round of re-estimation. Games go much quicker if you can avoid rounds and rounds of re-estimation, but it's important not to coerce developers into high or low estimates that always compromise and accept the average because sometimes one person knows something about the hidden complexity that everyone else has missed, or they've implemented a similar feature before many times using a creative workflow that no one else has thought of. So there's a couple of things you need to do before you play planning poker, and these are really important to establish these before your first planning poker session. They are the estimation units you're gonna use and the scale, your baseline story, and thirdly, your definition of done. So let's have a look at each of those. First of all, let's take a look at estimation units. What units and scale does your team use or are they going to use to estimate its work? I like to estimate our work using relative complexity using story points. Um, Let's break that down a little bit. I'll explain story points in a moment. First of all, complexity. It's a measure of effort and risk. If I think two stories will take about the same amount of effort, the same amount of time, 
but the second is significantly riskier than the first, then I use a higher estimate for the second story. For example, let's say we have two stories to configure auditing for the account entity and the data export service for the account entity. They probably require about the same amount of effort, but the team has less experience with the data export service than they do with auditing. So there's a risk that they're going to hit an issue with the data export service that needs to be resolved because they're unused to working with it, but auditing they've done many times before and it's relatively straightforward for this team. Same effort, different risk profile, so these two stories are probably going to have different estimates. When I was discussing these two stories, auditing and data export, did you notice how I was comparing them? What I'm trying to do is to compare the relative complexity of any two stories. A dev team should be able to take any two stories and be able to estimate. Kind of how many times more complex is this story compared to that story? I prefer to estimate relative complexity. Other teams prefer to estimate an absolute effort or complexity. Their unit of measure is usually an ideal day. When estimating a story, they ask, how many ideal days effort, with no distractions, meetings or interruptions, would it take for me to complete this story? I don't like using ideal days for a couple of reasons. One is because each team member's level of experience and productivity is different. So what they can achieve each in a day will vary. We've got a, a new graduate maybe done a couple of CRM exams, their productivity is going to be much lower than a solution architect who's been working on the system for 10 years and they're each given a three-point story. It's going to take them different amounts of time. There's also a cultural issue. An ideal day, it's just my experience, but an ideal day in the US is at least eight hours or more. In the rest of the world, it's seven. In, uh, in certain parts of Europe, it's a lot less. In Ireland, for example, an ideal day is spent in the pub with a pint of Guinness, not working on dynamics at all. I think John Grace probably developed the North 52 developer productivity tools for Dynamics in Ireland because he wanted to spend more ideal days in the pub. So I don't use ideal days. I use story points. Story points are just an arbitrary unit of measure. There's no fixed conversion rate from story points into time. Story points are agreed by your development team in a baselining exercise. I'll describe that in a moment. But story points used by one Scrum team are not the same as those used by another. Even if you're both working from the same product backlog, different teams may have slightly different baselines, different expectations within the team. So you can't compare teams by measuring how many story points they can complete within a sprint. Actually, you can't even compare developers and the story points they can complete within a sprint either. Story points are just a way for the team to be able to forecast how much work it can get done in a sprint. It's not a KPI for productivity. And I'm even going, shying away from my tendency to use velocity as a way of tracking how quickly the team is going. Going alongside the estimation unit is the estimation scale. Most Scrum teams use a modified Fibonacci scale when estimating. I don't know if you can remember your high school mathematics, but in a Fibonacci sequence, the next number in the sequence is the sum of the previous two numbers in the sequence. So the scale goes 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, 34, 55, 89, and 144. And it goes up and up. The increasingly large numbers make sense to me because we're much better at estimating small things accurately than huge things. But because most of us have trouble working with awkward numbers like 34, 55, 89... The most common Fibonacci scale used in planning poker 
is 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, and then we round it off 20, 40, and 100. If I'm using a customizable scale, I like to add a half point story, a really small one right at the start, and a 60 point story in between 40 and 100, because that's a better Fibonacci scale in my mind. So, how do you establish your baseline story? This is the story that all other stories are going to be compared to for the relative complexity. So, a baseline story is a user story in your product backlog that's well refined and well understood by everyone in the development team. It's got minimal risks and unknowns and could be implemented by just about everybody in the team in maybe a day or two. The size of it will depend upon the length of your sprint to some extent, and like I said, maybe uh, on the experience of the person who's going to implement it. I like to assign my baseline story three story points. If you don't have a good baseline three story point story in your backlog, imagine how long it would take you to implement a simple custom entity. Maybe a dozen simple fields, lay out the form, configure the usual views, assign a security role, and you're done. That's a simple three point story in my mind. That That kind of size of baseline story now becomes the one to which you compare all the other stories. If the next story that you're going to estimate is much simpler than the baseline, it's two points. If it's nearly twice as complex, it's five points. If it's more than twice as complex, it's eight points, and so on. Relatively trivial stories that still require some effort are half a point. Could be changing the label of a field. You might bundle those up into a bigger story, but if you had just one field label to change, that's a half-point story. Some teams are tempted to use zero-point stories for items that require barely any effort at all, but I find that even tracking a zero-point story, it's got to be tested, it's got to be described, it's got to be released, um, that's some effort. So I don't really use zero-point stories in my Dynamics projects. Definition of done. Another agreement that your team needs to have made before starting estimation is your definition of done. Each item in the backlog is going to have its own acceptance criteria that we use to test that item so that we know it's acceptable to the product owner. Acceptance criteria provide the details that we can use to write test cases. But the definition of done is slightly different. The definition of done applies to all the product backlog items in your backlog. They're a superset of acceptance criteria that every item, particularly user stories, has to meet. Each Scrum team will have a different definition of done. But if you have multiple scrum teams working on the same product backlog, on the same dynamic system, then you should have a shared definition of done for all of the teams. And what I find is if you're working within a Microsoft practice, a Microsoft partners organization, you probably have a pretty common set of definition of done criteria for all your projects. They might vary a little bit from one client project to another, but generally you try and hit the same level of quality for all your projects, and the definition of done is a really good way of setting that quality expectation. Some example definition of done criteria that I've included in some of my dynamics projects include um, the item has to have been peer-reviewed by somebody else in our Scrum team. It's got to have been released into the QA instance and tested by somebody else in the Scrum team. It's got to have been tested in the SIT instance. It's got to be documented in the Dynamics 365 system wiki, and maybe a change manager has written the release notes. Your baseline, simple, three-point story has to meet its own acceptance criteria and to meet the definition of done before we pass it over to our product owner and ask them to accept it. Over time, Scrum teams change their definition of done. 
usually by adding some new criteria that improve the quality of their Dynamics 365 product increment. When my team does this, I like to leave the baseline story at three points, no matter what changes you've made to your definition of done. Your average velocity, if you're tracking that over a long period, might dip because there's going to be more work to do to release the similar size features as before because you've got extra quality bars to jump over. But that's not a big deal unless you're using velocity as a KPI, which, as you might recall, is not something that I'd ever recommend anyway. So that's it for planning poker. We've covered the benefits of planning poker and why a consensus-driven, gamified approach to estimation is a good idea. We've discussed when we play planning poker during a typical sprint and who's involved. I'll give you some ideas for using planning poker cards or apps. And we describe the mechanics of the game itself. And finally, we looked at the three big things you need to establish before you play. That's your estimation units and scale, your baseline user story, and your definition of done. So that's it. Go out, have fun estimating, and stay agile. I'll see you in the next episode of Scrum Dynamics. Our mission is to have every Microsoft Dynamics 365 project succeed using Scrum. If you'd like to learn more about Scrum and become a certified professional Scrum Master, visit crm.audio slash Scrum Dynamics to get discounted access to the introduction to Scrum for Microsoft Dynamics 365 course. The course features videos, worksheets, quizzes, and a practice assessment for the Professional Scrum Master certification exam. It covers the theory of Scrum, its events, roles, and deliverables, as well as lessons learned through Scrum for Dynamics CRM case study projects. CRM Audio podcast listeners can get discounted access by visiting crm.audio slash scrumdynamics.